0: so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
1: $45 upfront for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
2: It's September 12th, 1846, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Ariel, Rebecca, and Ali. The Retrospectors!
1: The poet Elizabeth Barrett was so overcome by nerves at defying her family to marry the person her father darkly referred to as that man that she had to stop on her way to the church to buy smelling salts. In fact, Browning would later tell her, a safe amount of time later, that she had, quote, looked like death. Nonetheless, they were married today in history in 1848 at Marlborough Parish Church in front of an audience of two, Browning's cousin James and Wilson, Barrett's trusted lady's maid.
2: Yeah, if you're not familiar with who we're talking about here, these are two of the great Victorian poets, Elizabeth Barrett Browning, uh, known by that name after she married Robert Browning on this day, who at the time wasn't famous. He was actually six years younger than she was. She was 38 already by the time they corresponded and a famous poet. And yet this is one of the great kind of love stories of English literature. People hark back to this day where they got married in secret, even though underpinning it is a lot of sadness and illness.
0: Yeah, and their romance really began with Browning being little more than a kind of fanboy of Elizabeth Barrett, as she then was, because in 1845 her second collection of poems, A Drama of Exile, was published and it was extremely well received, and it actually included a few lines that praised Robert Browning, who was sort of a lesser known poet at the time, but after reading the poems, Robert wrote a letter of thanks to Elizabeth with the slightly over the top line, I love your verses with all my heart, and I love you too. I mean, way to kick off a uh, a yeah. communication with someone who you've never met before. Can you imagine the social media equivalent? there? Right. It's just thanks for
1: the
2: shout out. Yeah, at it's big. I love you. Yeah. <laughs>
1: And they continued to correspond even after they finally met in person that summer, exchanging almost 600 letters over less than two years. But I mean, as you've mentioned, he was a little bit keen. Um, and in person, <laughs> he did actually propose relatively quickly and she rebuffed him. You know, At this point, she was in her 30s. So her, her mother died when her youngest siblings were still in their teens. You know, she came from a large family. So her fate seemed settled. By the standards of the time, she was an old maid. Mm. You know, her job was to help her father and then maybe live with a married sibling. And she'd been plagued by ill health through kind of a mystery illness that had begun as a young teen she had experienced these periods of frailty you would know, have headaches she had spine pain she had difficulty moving sometimes she couldn't even get out of bed and so she believed that she should never marry she thought it wasn't right the purpose of marriage within you know that victorian mindset was to produce children and she you know she didn't think that that was something that she ought to be doing and browning had even kind of alluded to this he said that if she would consent to marry him he would be happy for them to live as brother and sister i.e not having sex but even so she initially turned him down and he had to ask her again before she would finally admit that she did want to marry him but that her family would never approve largely because well i think because they got used to the idea of her as being this old maid who'd be there for the family bringing in money through her poetry but also because she was old she was approaching 40 by the time they got married so you know very much on the shelf and because Browning wasn't as well known and he didn't come from a wealthy family as she did and they saw him as being maybe a bit of a gold digger
0: I just love that you spelled out to us what living as brother and sister might mean <laughs> you, you know <laughs>
1: like, how you don't have sex with your siblings
0: yeah, you mean <laughs> not <laughs> not playing giant Jenga that's not what she was talking about <laughs>
2: But the other reason, I think, was because she was frightened of her father. I mean, I realize this is a modern interpretation because there were lots of women that lived under the control of their fathers back then. But he does seem from today's perspective to be a particularly dominating and kind of tyrannical man, which is interesting because it obviously wasn't that sort of relationship that they had in the... The first half of her life before this so her childhood in Hope End in Herefordshire which was this house that her father Edward Barrett Moulton Barrett yes he had Barrett in his name twice they like that <laughs> um, had designed for himself with slavery money I mean again from a modern perspective you know seems like a wrong un, but back then he had family money from slavery run sugar plantations in Jamaica lots of money and he had encouraged her in Hopend to immerse herself in books as a child in the extensive library there. And he had published her early works. He doted on her. He called Elizabeth, you know, out of his... 11 children that survived the poet laureate of hope end she was obviously his favorite Mm. and he had her work privately published her poem the battle of marathon was kind of a a sensation in very limited upper class literary circles when she was still a teenager but then what happened when her mother did die in 1828 is their relationship became transformed forever by that she was uh, an adolescent by then She was, I suppose, the woman that he, her father, started to lean on a bit. And then in 1832, he lost some of his fortune and in 1838 relocated the family to Wimpole Street in London, by which time she had this, maybe it was bronchitis, maybe it was polio, maybe now we'd call it chronic fatigue syndrome, we don't know. And he obviously kind of seemed to enjoy that relationship that they had, where she was a famous poet but she was entirely under his control. Yeah, I mean, her reason for wanting to keep the romance
0: with Browning a secret was pretty obvious because of this controlling father of hers. But simultaneously, Browning was also keeping the romance a bit secret from his parents, the full extent of it at least, because his parents did know about her, but they had concerns about Elizabeth's poor health and thought that that might not make her the best possible match.
2: I mean, he was 32 and he was a poet. They probably had other concerns.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Probably. But at some point, anyway, in their courtship, Elizabeth's doctors recommended that she should move to Italy for health reasons. Her father refused to allow her to go, and this refusal led the couple to take this decisive joint action and that was what led them to be married on this day though they then kept it a secret for another full week
1: yeah after the wedding she went home and spent the week living there like it was no big deal at the same time planning on going off to Paris and then to Italy with Browning who obviously was now her husband so there was nothing on paper wrong with that her family were packing up to go to their country house while their London house was being cleaned so her packing her bag seemed totally normal so the day after the wedding she wrote to Browning she said All my brothers have been here this morning laughing and talking and discussing this matter of leaving town and in the room at the same time with two or three female friends of ours from Herefordshire. And I did not dare cry out against the noise, though my head seemed splitting in two... I had such a morbid fear of exciting a suspicion and the letter closed I did hate so to have to take off the ring you'll have to take the trouble of putting it on again someday. So they then slipped off to Paris in exciting circumstances. They took Wilson the loyal lady's maid and Elizabeth's beloved dog Flush. So what happened was and you can see this caused a huge break in the family she was very close to her siblings but a lot of them she did not speak to for a long time after this and actually when when you hear about the way she did it you can kind of see why she just went out saying she was going to The bookshop around the corner where she went all the time, and she just never came back. She'd sent her luggage ahead the day before secretly to Vauxhall Station, so she got to the bookshop. She met Browning there, and they got into a carriage and took the train to Southampton, and then got the ferry. So it must have been a really traumatic event Mm -hmm. for her siblings, to whom she was very close.
2: That's the thing. I think tinged with sadness, even for her. Like it's looked Mm. back on as if it was just romance, you know. But it can be both, can't it? It must have been terribly exciting and a relief to be out of the control of her father, but also knowing realistically, her father's going to disown her, which is indeed what happened. And so he's, she's never going to see him again. Mm. And she's probably never going to see everyone else.
0: And also she'd made off with the family's dog. So that mustn't have made her
2: incredibly popular with her family too. <laughs> I think Flush was pretty much her dog. Virginia Woolf actually wrote a memoir of Flush, which you can read, which is it's amazing. It's, it's, it's Elizabeth Barrett Browning's life from Flush the Cocker Spaniel's perspective. So... Um, That's an unusual footnote for an episode of the show, but I would recommend you have a look.
0: Well, it would have had an incredibly romantic life because after they got to France, they then moved on and uh, arrived in Pisa first of all, but then settled in Florence where they lived at what's now become their very famous residence, the Casa Gidi. Uh, Elizabeth's health actually improved a lot while they were there, so, you know, exactly what the doctors might have hoped might happen. Uh, And both of the poets then composed what would later become some of their most well-respected and widely known works. They also managed to have a son, Robert, who was born in Florence in 1849. So, so much for living together as brother <laughs> and
1: sister. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in 1850 from Italy, she published Sonnets from the Portuguese, which is the volume that includes her most famous work, Sonnet 43, better known by its opening lines, How Do I Love the Let Me Count the Ways.
2: Oh, so- the way you said that, Rebecca, transformed yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. it. it was pretty moving. Well, the um, deliveries. Despite the title, they were not translations from Portuguese poems. They were all her original works. But she wanted to disguise the personal nature of the poems. You know, they were inspired by their marriage, and she didn't necessarily want to broadcast that. Her initial idea, and this is why sometimes it's nice when husbands and wives were together. Her initial idea was to call it Sonnets from the Bosnian, which not quite as romantic. Uh, Browning suggested Portuguese, both because she was admirer of Luis de Camos, the Portuguese John Milton, as he's often called, and as a reference to his pet name for her. He sometimes called her My Little Portuguese. I have to say, hmm. between this and the fact that Browning later gave her the verdict that they were, quote, the finest sonnets written in any language since Shakespeare's, I've got to say, nothing but green flags for Robert Browning.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Apparently that nickname, though, My Little Portuguese, came out partly because of her olive skin. And you know, one of the other an things. Amber flag. <laughs> <laughs> one of the other things that Elizabeth Barrett Browning became known for was opposition to slavery. And partly that was motivated by her suspicion that she herself might be mixed race. Mm. Um, because of the sexual liaisons usually forced and involuntary that happened between slave owners and slaves over in Jamaica, that she might distantly have um, some black ancestry.
0: But even after her death, the idea of their romance has only grown and sort of turned into pure fantasy where, and I hate to say this, but I found a recent Guardian article that was suggesting that their love was not entirely a bed of roses. Can we have nothing in like just purely romantic? It turns out we can't. But what I was saying was that the pair quarreled frequently about politics, about her interest in spiritualism and how to bring up their son. And awkwardly... Okay, all of this
2: could be said about my wife and <laughs>
0: Right. This is any relationship. But another awkward thing that may be true of many of us podcasters as well was that her money supported the entire household. Mm. Um, (laughs) Her husband, her servants, the dog, child, clothes, everything. It all came from her writings and that was a source of tension for the pair of them. It went so far as for some uh, contemporary scholars to suggest that there is the possibility that Browning may have killed her. On. on the basis that, that a lot of his uh, later writings are concerned with people who have this sort of murderous relationship with their I partner. I
1: disagree. <laughs> she died in his arms. Her last word was beautiful. Yeah, but Come who on. recorded he... those
0: last lines? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Browning. Oh well, I tell you, somebody actually recorded Browning. He after this, he went back to London. He lived the rest of his life there. He never remarried because his heart was so broken, Arian. But just how did I a... kill
2: thee? Let me count the ways. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> just,
1: just before his death in 1889, he was recorded on an early Edison Cylinder phonograph reciting one of his poems. The recording was played the next year on the anniversary of his death, and it's said to be the first time anyone's voice had been heard from beyond the grave.
0: Have you ever tried playing it backwards, Rebecca? There's <laughs> clues in there. <laughs> Tomorrow.
1: Then the question is, if he was the most dangerous man in America, how did he end up in such a low-security prison?
0: Ditch the ads and get a Sunday episode when you join Club Retrospectors. Patreon.com slash Retrospectors.